Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Celtic Stuff Live on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage for the Boston Celtics. I'm your host, Justin Poulin. Joining me as always, John Duke. It is the off season. John tried to slip up before the show started and say postseason. I said, wait a second, are we talking about the finals? No, 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 no. Off season, which kind of stinks because one game away, we broke it all down on the last show. Certainly don't need to rehash it for you. Other than to say there's several topics we'll be talking about, which is pretty amazing at this point in the off season because typically we're just talking about free agency in the draft and we've got to kill about three to three and a half months on that topic. But. There will be a draft night show. We'll have some details for you all later. Kind of depends on what happens between now and then. But I think we'll kick it right off, John. Let's just continue to look at that Cavs series. As far as a primer for the offseason, do the Celtics need to adjust? There's been trade rumors. Is there anything that we saw in that Cavs series that says, hey, you know, the Celtics got to get a little bit better or stand pat. You and I talked about it a little bit the last show. Mostly we were having trouble not being bummed about what I would consider to be a rather uh, not-so-entertaining Game 7, and probably the rest of the NBA fan base felt the same way. But with that in the books um, and a little bit of hindsight and a little bit of separation, as you can hear, the optimism is back in our voices, and we seem to have recovered from the loss. But I never felt good about it, but I also didn't – think that they would ever get that far anyway do they really need to readjust john or or uh you already know my vote but do they need to readjust <laughs> do they need to make changes or do they sit tight for next year with really only a couple of minor decisions outside of marcus smart to make this off season? well i think it's you know we go back to every year you know up until this year the Celtics have been positioning themselves for the giant move. And we knew that, you know, they've had that one swing. We thought we had a good chance. You know, maybe we'll get Durant. Maybe we'll get Horford. Maybe we'll get, you know, Gordon Hayward. And there was still talk about, you know, Blake Griffin at this time of year last year. The Celtics, other than missing on Durant, they couldn't have done it any better here in the last two years. So now the question is, well, now you got everything you want. Now what do you do? 
Ryan Bernardoni, danger cart to, to for the folks on the Twitter sphere, uh, put his last post on Celtics Hub up and actually kind of talked what he thought the Celtics should be doing in this offseason. And he runs the gamut, of course. Um, and I urge everyone to check that out. You know, obviously it's a, it's the primer for the season, off season. It's really the, the must read for the year. Kind of helps to frame where things are going for the Celtics. Does a great job with it every year. Um, for me, you're right. We talked a lot in the last show about, you know, really working around the edges of this. And, and then you talk about, you know, well, how do you sustain this and all the issues that Celtics have going forward? And trying to pay everybody. That's the real problem here is it's not that the Celtics have, you know, how do they get more talent? It sounds like the talent, I think I feel they've got enough talent right now if they all grow to their capacity. The question is how do you keep them? How do you package them to stay together? Like the Patriots have always been able to do. They find the pieces that they want to hold on to long term and they lock those pieces up and they require them to sometimes take a little bit less in the process. But that allows them to go out and add more pieces around them to be a better fully throated team. And I think that's what we're, we're talking about is right now the, the core pieces are set in part for at least another year. What are you going to do about Rosier? What are you going to do about Morris, Baines, those types of players? And I think that that's really the, the fundamental question. Maybe those pieces should be, you know, look into something else or maybe you just fold them into more roster pieces or just run it back. I think that, you know, the really the choices behind, you know, behind where they go here in the next coming weeks um, and months, it's going to be interesting because Ainge is going to have to make some real tough decisions. Does he lock up Marcus Smart for long term? Does he mark, you know, lock up uh, Rozier to an extension? They could even talk about an extension for, for Kyrie Irving. That seems pretty unlikely. So much is on the table. And this summer will really set the stage here for the next two, three years, depending upon how far Ainge wants to go in keeping this group together for 2019. I think Marcus Smart's probably the hardest decision just because of the fact that if he gets a good offer out there, I mean, obviously they'll give him the qualifier and then he's going to go search the market. And he says he's worth more than the 12 to 14 million, which I'm not even sure. See, what's really crazy about restricted free agency is if teams think that the Celtics will just wind up matching, they tend not to dance in these situations and it can drive somebody's number down. If smart wants to make the big money, he needs to find a suitor soon early in the process and really make the move. But then there's the other fact that that money gets tied up with the team who's made the offer for a pretty extended period. So if they're really looking to make a splash, unless they're certain that the Celtics won't match, then they're likely not to make a big offer and tie up that money and wait for the Celtics to make their decision. Because if you do know one thing about Danny Ainge, he's going to maintain as much control over the situation as he possibly can. And that includes waiting till the very last minute to decide if they're going to match on Marcus Smart. And that alone is going to set a stage for his price to come down, in my opinion. Do you think Marcus is going to get... The big dollars, do you think he'll get one of those big offers because of what I just said? I think he's at risk, and I think he's going to end up sticking with the team. I think he he might even just stick with the team on the qualifier. It could be that crazy. Some team could make a, a little bit of a flyer. I haven't really looked around. I know we'll talk about it between now and free agency. Need to look more at 
who's out there. The only thing I'll say is secondary to what I said, the only plan B for Marcus is that that money goes out to the big players and not Marcus at the opening of free agency. And then a couple of teams who lose decide to throw some money at Marcus Smart and see if they can hit on a flyer. Yeah, and I think, yeah, I mean, I think that, the first thing you got to look at there, what's the market, right? What Who's out there that could really come out there and really take a big swing at a guy like Marcus Smart? And the, unfortunately for Marcus, the number of teams out there that are in a position to sign him are few and far between. Atlanta's got $29 million. Uh, you know, Lakers have $58 million. Indiana's got 32 uh, 22 with Philly, 20 in Sacramento. Do any of those teams sound like teams that should be going out and spending – 15, 16, 17 million dollars a year on Marcus Smart. I don't think so. You know, possibly Philly on a team that can't shoot seems like a bad idea. The Lakers, we already know what they have for, for, in terms of a focus. Uh, you know, maybe, you know, Indiana, they're, they're somewhat close, but seems like there's some money that they could be using elsewhere. It just seems like the, you know, for the Celtics, it just makes too much sense to sign the qualifying offer. And move forward. I mean, the other thing to look at is could they offer him a small, you know, a short-term deal, you know, with, with bigger money, you know, 15 million over two years, two for 30 or something like that, where Smart's able to get the money he's expecting. He gets some, a little bit of balance there on the same point, you know, maybe the Celtics are able to, you know, push him out two years. So he's back in the market at a time when he can, he can actually cash in, but he also allows them to tie themselves over beyond Kyrie and beyond Rozier. If there's any fear that they'd lose one or both, you know, I guess smart, you know, giving him that two year window allows them to kind of, you know, maybe not worry so much. I don't think they're worried about Kyrie, honestly. I think Kyrie's happy about where he is. I don't think that that's a concern. I think the, really the question is, you know, how do you avoid the qualifying offer, which is something that can really cause teams and players to kind of come at loggerheads. I think that's really what we're looking at. And if they can find it, you know, Mar- Marcus and his, his agent, Happy Walt- Walters, can be somewhat amenable to that, it'd be great. Unfortunately, it seems happy Walters and, and Marcus are really pushing for big bucks. And while, you know, everyone's talking, it's all fine and good. Um, I think they're going to go to market as you had said earlier, and they're not going to find the, what they want. And unfortunately it's, it's going to be frustrating for Marcus because he's not going to get the big deal he's expecting. So let me ask you this question too, because we know it's a guard heavy league, right? So people seem to be able to find guards. I don't want to say fairly easily, but just because of the way the game is played today, guards, you seem to be able to secure them. Right now, Marcus Smart obviously projects as point guard, shooting guard, at least at in his height. I guess it's point guard because he's got some playmaking skills and he can't shoot, so there's no way you'd put shooting in front of guard as far as Marcus Smart goes. But here's the other thing. What about this switchability? We saw what he did with Porzingis, not this season, but the season before, and we've seen him play that wing position. Do you think he can market himself as that Swiss Army knife who could play the wing and point guard and somehow position himself in the market to to get an offer because of that? Because I feel like guards other than otherworldly guards like Stefan, Stefan, <laughs> not Stefan Marbury. Stephon. Yeah, see where that? <laughs> like Stephen Curry. I don't want to, you know, that's otherworldly, right? He doesn't have a statue yeah. in China, but that's otherworldly. And 
but outside of that, it kind of seems like that mid-range guard position, people look at Tyreek Evans. I just don't think they value it that much. He's got to kind of say, I'm a wing. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I think you're right. I think his problem is going to be shooting, though. Like, for as much as everyone values the ability to defend, going one for ten in game seven is not going to help his his stock. You know, that all the the Boston Celtics needed were a couple jump shots, and they win that game. Marcus couldn't do it, and you know, if I'm going to give seventeen million dollars in a, in a market where everything is so tight and the salary cap is flattening out, and they're not going to have these these great wild swings. Maybe you need it for culture. I mean, I think it's, I think it's less a question of Marcus with what he can do as much as on the court, as much as the kind of intensity and, and culture he helps provide, you know, for the teams that are, that are out there, Indiana kind of on the, the, the edge of those things. I mean, imagine a backcourt of Oladipo and Smart coming at you. That's pretty tough. That's a, that's, that's a pretty tough defensive court, backcourt there. And, you know, for a guy in Nate McMillan who he and Gary Payton terrorized the Pacific division in the late eighties and early nineties with Gary Payton and, and, and he kind of just running roughshod over those, those teams. I think there's, there's a lot to be said for that, but you know, you still look at the shooting numbers. You shooting numbers, the shooting numbers. On a Celtics team next year where you're not going to have to worry about shooting nearly the degree that many other teams will, you can get away with that. I mean, Iguodala's value in Golden State is probably so much higher than it is elsewhere because of the fact that he does things that other guys don't do, and he kind of fits in very seamlessly with, with you know, what they need. When you have Clay Thompson and Steph Curry and Kevin Durant around you, the fact that you're not the greatest, you know, shooter in the world isn't going to make or break you. But if you're, you know, the second highest paid player in your starting lineup, as he would be in, in Indiana, Marcus Smart's in a much different situation. And so I hope his, his representation and he see that value uh, and say, look, take the QO, take a few less dollars. So I think in the long run, it's going to be more profitable for Marcus Smart to be a Celtic than to be anything else. Yeah, unless it's a starter position and he winds up really carrying a team, but that's a big gamble. I think you're right. I think he shows enough on the Celtics. He kind of is that sixth man. He's still young. Stick around one more year and really maximize it next year. That's pro- that's probably the safest play, but you can follow Celtics Stuff Live on Twitter at CSL underscore Tweet Live, as well as your host, that's me, at CSL underscore Justin. That's him, at CSL underscore Duke. The entire CLNS Media Network is at CLNS Media, Facebook.com slash CLNS fans, and download the CLNS Media app for iOS and Android. Simply search CLNS Media in your app marketplace. Finally, the YouTube channel, YouTube.com slash CLNS Media for high-definition, full-length locker room interviews and the guard report throughout the season, the roundtable in your off-season, as well as much other content and snippets from right here on Celtic Stuff Live. So, John, let's just talk about Gordon Hayward, a little brief one before the mid-break, and then we'll really hammer down on the draft and some of the plans that the Celtics may have, possibly trading up, etc. But Gordon Hayward goes under the knife or into laparoscopic whatever might up being the procedure, very similar to what Kyrie Irving went through, although for different reasons. I think this was all planned as part of Hayward's rehab. Some irritation there, apparently. 
but they wanted to get the hardware out of there, the screws, both of them getting that done and supposed to be ready for training camp. Hopefully no setbacks when the year begins, but looks like it was successful. Everything kind of on plan, except for John, you and I had a different plan for, for our buddy. We thought he'd be back for the postseason. We won't, we won't, uh, we won't pine about what may have been on the show if he had met our timetable, but seems like he's on a fair timetable for the Celtics and, and he'll be ready to start next year. Yeah. I mean, I think this is actually a really positive thing. Um, the fact that, you know, apparently everything is healed properly, ready to go. Um, and you know, the fact that, you know, that he's, he's working out enough that there was some irritation in there and they said, look, it's, it's on, you know, this is, let's get this hardware out now, use the time now. So he's pu- fully healthy back in, in not just doing basketball activities, but he was playing one on one up until, you know, this stuff was going out. So th- there's a lot going on there that really leads you to think that, you know, Gordon, there was another year, this another month of the season. He'd been out there. Oh well, so what? Uh, you know, you're right. <laughs> I'm still not over it. I still wish he was able to come back. I think, you know, that you know, supposed uh, plateauing, I guess, that he ran into in in you know early February, you know, kind of slowed things down enough that really prevented his ability to come back. You know, that two three week period where he had to stop, and you know, if if it might have just been a tease. It, it might have just been a tease well, too. If he was experiencing this irritation during rehab, even if he hadn't had the plateau and everything had progressed on our timetable, he still might have wound up experiencing some inflammation during the postseason and not been able to make it anyway. I mean, everybody said typically not coming back the same season, but nobody wanted to really rule it out except Brad Stevens continued over and over to try to rule it out on us. And we just, we weren't having it. We were not having it. We fought that tooth and nail, but, uh, we did, we did lose that. The only, the other thing that's kind of funny is, you know, that surgery just kind of brings Hayward back to the forefront, especially with the Celtics season ending. And you see all over Twitter, it's like people saying, Oh, how can Jalen Brown and Tatum and Hayward all be in the same lineup? And I'm just like blown away that this is even a debate. It is so clearly everything that the Celtics wanted to do athleticism, switchability. You know, Tatum can play the four. Hayward can play the four. I think the reason people are saying that is because they're still thinking old school lineup like the like Horford can't play the five, which I think you put your five best players on the four, floor. It's going to be Kyrie. It's going to be Brown. It's going to be Tatum. It's going to be Hayward. It's going to be Horford. I don't think there's any question. And people wondering how they're going to do that, it's just mind-blowing to me. And I'm not just talking about non-Celtics fans on Twitter. I'm talking about the pundits. Well, I, I understand. I mean, look, I mean, even Brad has gone with a, a, another traditional big next to Horford for as long as, you know, I can remember. I mean, this is, that's for as long as he's been here, he's tried to run regular big men in that lineup. So, but what's the alternative? I don't think it's then? crazy to the say that. The alternative has not been shooters though. That's the reason. No, and, I know. And but, even then he did go small several times with Morris, but. I, I think okay. if I, you know, so it's in there. It, it's right. in there. So let's, let's, let's go into that, right? Like, okay. So we go, we go Horford, Hayward, you know, Brown, Kyrie, and, and, uh, um, Tatum, right? Okay. So take those guys out. Who are your next five? 
Like who, when you got to bring out the next five that come in. And of course we talked about how so they smart Morris Bates, Rozier and smart. Let's say smart Morris. I got a center. I got a small forward. I kind of need a power. Well, you probably just rotate in. Nah, cause it's nine. Ice? No, it's nobody. You got nine. I know you want it to be Abaselli. You got nine. <laughs> That's what it's going to be. So you're going to rotate. Well, Nah, you're gonna rot. Well, he'll be on the bench, but it, you'll you'll rotate based on matchup, not- whether it's Tice or Baines. But he's typically gonna go nine deep. So you've got Smart, Rozier, Morris, and Baines, and then Tatum and Horford. I mean Tatum. Well, Tatum, Horford, and Hayward are gonna be the ones that you know mix and match with that second four off the bench. That's how it's gonna go. Yeah, but I, okay, but I, see, I don't, first of all, I don't think they'll go nine no matter what. I mean, they're going to go ten. It's just, we know him. He, well, yeah, so you'll have year, a little right? Tice, you'll have a little Yabaselli, but those guys aren't right. getting anything more than five or six minutes a night anyway. So, okay, but it's a, when you it's look a top at that, eight or no. nine rotation. Right, but when you look at that, okay, so you run, when you run those guys back out there, right? Okay, so, you're going to have, you're going to be big in your second unit. You know, you're going to have, if you have Rozier and, and you know, Morris is at the three, really, right? More no, often than not. Yeah, he's at the three. So you got Rozier, yeah. Smart, Morris, Tatum, and Baines. Well, okay. And don't, and Morris don't and throw Tatum, Tatum in there. Don't, I know you're trying to mix and match them, but I'm just trying to say, like, like, in you don't terms think of, he can play the four? In no, a, no, no. In a bench? No, 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 no. Stop. <laughs> what I'm saying is you're trying to mix them and say how they'll end up kind of – I'm just saying, like, the next five. Like, who's the next five? Like, ah, that's not how know. the game's played, Well, though. but it's – but, you, but you're going to have those guys on court at some point, whether they're with somebody else or with somebody – like, you know, those ten minutes are, are going to occur a half, right, where Tyson – you're going to have an extra big, Right. You know, if you have somebody Tice, from that starting lineup is always going to be out there with the bench. I, unit. I, no, I get it. I get what you're saying, but like, there's still a night, a tenth guy, right? The, whoever that tenth yeah, guy but, is, but, but see, you're going to be big. The tenth guy does not dictate how you put your four, five starters out I, on the floor. No, I, I know that, but what I'm saying is, is that that you're introducing players who aren't aren't shooters or who have different characteristics. And so, yeah, they'll do what they do. And, you know, you'll probably build more around the shooting of whomever is out there. But you're going to start a very small spread lineup, right? And then you're going to go to a bigger group, whether it's Tyson Horford or whether it's Baines and Horford, right? You're You're going to have two traditional bigs. However, when those guys are out there, right? Why? Well, <laughs> well, okay. How? Why wouldn't you? Why? How are you gonna? How are you gonna hide the second big? Like they have to play at some point, is what I'm saying. Yeah, but they you just know? rotate through. Like, like yeah. <laughs> but you can't, right? Okay, so you have three guys, right? Let follow me. Follow me. Like Horford can't play 50 minutes. He's got to play the 48. You're gonna have Baines out there, and you're gonna run Tatum at the four, or you're gonna run. Hayward oh, where's at the Tice? Four. Tice is six minutes. It has nothing to do with anything. Okay, it's okay. It's twenty-four minutes and a half. In six of those minutes, that's I mean, that's a quarter of the time. It matters. We, you know, it, how do you hide? You know, LeBron. You, 
if you, all I'm saying if, is if you even play him six minutes, that's six what I'm minutes. saying. It's going to be Baines or Tyson. I, They're not going to listen. He's okay. not going to go ten deep. He's not so going to go ten deep right. for regular minutes. You know, he might even go with a three guard lineup one night, and Larkin's back out there, and they're going bananas well, with the small. It's all right. going to depend on matchups. How do you okay. hide anybody that's the tenth guy off the bench? It's a non-factor. It never is. No, it's no. I no no. It's not a non-factor. It's a non-factor. You're, you're talking like going to play forty-eight minutes a night. He's no, not. I'm not. No, I'm not. You know you've got you two know other Brad guards behind him. You know you don't want you know early oh you know, early on the year. Dude. You know he don't, he doesn't want to play the bigs. I mean, <laughs> this is this is what we're gonna face. Like this is they're not gonna do this for eighty-two games, right? They're not going to put those five in the starting lineup for eighty-two games. You're I'm telling not me that, that I'm, what I'm saying is to start is the most inconsequential thing going. I guess like right, who finish. finishes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. You know what? Sometimes, right. sometimes Smart will be out there to finish. If Brown's having a bad right. game, Smart will be out there to finish. But listen, as far as the starting lineup, you want shooting. You want to come out hot. You want to spread the offense around. You want to attack the defense. You want to tire them out. You're absolutely going to come out spraying at him like that. And if somebody's having an off night, yeah, maybe you sub somebody in. You know, Baines isn't a good matchup night in and night out. You know, right. you're talking about how Baines and Tice both get into the same game, and I'm saying to you, I don't think they get into the same game. I think Baines, based on matchups, gets a lot of those minutes one night, and they go a little bit small, but they bring him in as the heavy, and Tatum and Hayward play the minutes at the four with the bench unit. You're like, Horford's getting 48. I'm like, the hell he is. Tatum and and Hayward are going to play at the four with that bench unit, and sometimes so, Morris. <laughs> okay, so yes, all those guys are going to play. They're going to play a lot. They'll be switchable, and it's wonderful. First of all, I don't even know if Morris is going to be on this team next year. I think we should. We, yeah, we got. We well, hold on, hold on. As constituted, that. as constituted, assuming because Morris has got another I, year. I mean, you're talking right. about trades and everything's off when the when the roster gets deconstructed. Right. That's a whole different conversation. The only conversation right. we can really have about that bench unit and then being too big is if Marcus Smart Marcus Smart doesn't come back. That's where the issue is. That's when that starting five gets a little funny on us. Okay. Well, all right. Well, I'm going to, yes. I'll, I'm not, yes, you're right. That, that, that is where it goes. But I think the big issue or the big issue is the bigs, right? And, and the size. And you're going to have, I think that there's going to be a problem in that you're going to run a completely different setup when you've got the extra big in there. At some point, you're going to have a second big, right? Or you're, no, you're saying not. I'm you're saying, saying it's no. either Baines or yeah. I think you're crazy because Daniel Tice has earned a lot more than that. I think Baines is going to get his dude. Tw- Jason Tatum becomes the guy in the starting lineup who lights it up and stable. And this is what I said at the beginning of this season, <laughs> like, even before we knew who like he was. No, it's dude. not. That's no, the way it's I play not. My 2K game. That's not the way what? the game is played. Yes, it's just not. Brad always has somebody from the starting okay. lineup in with that second unit, except for maybe a minute or two in the second quarter. Okay, always. so all right, you play Philly. You play Philly. Are you gonna put? Are you gonna put Tatum on? On? Uh, are you gonna have Horford on Embiid, and you're gonna put uh, you know the the coward on Tatum? Is that how that's gonna work? Or are you gonna go big and and kick one of those guys out? 
How do you how do you match up with Philly, your biggest rival? Probably. You're gonna shoot him out of the building, dude. That's what's gonna. Happen. Oh, okay, okay, all right. I'm not buying it. I, I want to so. get it. I want to get in an up tempo game against Philly. Do you really want to start Baines? Do you really want to start Baines over Tatum? Is that what you're telling I me? Don't, no. What I'm saying is. I think the regular season is different than the postseason. I think that the Celtics want to protect Al Horford as much as they possibly can. And I think having him start six minutes, having Baines start six minutes and saving Horford for either later in the game or later in the season is more important to them than trying to come out firing and get a lot of early, you know, early, early games. This is where we totally disagree on the fact that I don't think that Horford, that not starting Baines comes at the expense of Horford. That's agree to disagree. We do have to tell everybody about our sponsor, Simple Contacts. If you wear contacts, then you know how annoying it is to have to get a prescription year after year just to be able to buy more contacts. Simple Contacts is changing all of that by using technology to make renewing your prescription and buying contacts super, well, Simple. And here's how it works. Using your phone or computer, you can take the Simple Contacts vision test in five minutes from literally anywhere, and a real doctor will review your test within 24 hours and write you a new prescription. Boom. A fresh supply of brand new lenses on the way to your door. No more appointments. No more waiting rooms. No more overpaying. Just Simple Contacts bringing the doctor's office to wherever you are whenever you need it. Just like me, I'm always on the the road always traveling i run out of contacts i like to use dailies so when they're gone they're gone i don't have a lot of buffer and yet when simple contacts all of a sudden came to sponsor us it was so easy i literally took the eye test from halfway across the country and by the time i got home i had contacts at my door simple contacts offers every brand of lenses and their prices are unbeatable Prescription is just $20, and the contact lens prices are super competitive. Shipping is free, and best of all, our listeners get $30 off of their first Simple Contacts order. So to save $30 on your lenses, just go to simplecontacts.com slash CSL18 or enter the code CSL18 at the checkout. I do want to mention, though, that this is not a replacement for your periodic full eye health exam. You still need those occasionally, but it is the most convenient way to renew a prescription and reorder your contacts if your vision hasn't changed. Again, check out Simple Contacts. Get $30 off by going to simplecontacts.com slash CSL18 or enter code CSL18 at the check at the checkout. Give it a try and thank me later. John, Listen, hey, before I know, you go. Oh, I know what you want to do. Go do ahead. You? Yeah, I, I just want to say, why do you need contacts if you're able to take a vision test from all the way across the country, man? You are, you don't need contacts. Talk about simple. Just like, <laughs> dude, I can do a vision test from 3,000 miles away. No, dude, you keep the con- No, you wear your current prescription and you take it. Is that right? I, I, I'm just laughing at it. Yeah, I know what you're cross, saying. The 3,000 mile, you know, you kind of E, X, B, F, you know, <laughs> and you get it from 3,000 miles right. away. If I could read a chart at home from LA, then. Right. Yeah, I got it. That's what you. I'm saying. Yep. It's impressive. You don't understand that's a, technology. That's a simple contacts right yeah. there. <laughs> that's, yeah. Anyway. Sorry. All right. All right. So we'll, we're going to table. The rotation conversation because the rotation conversation is going to 
permeate the entire offseason. This is gonna, it's coming back. And it's the same <laughs> argument. You know what's so funny is things don't yeah. change much. As much as this season right. changed everything, it's the same damn conversation that you and I were having when the year started. We're right. getting ready to start next year. We've seen Tatum emerge. Oh, the bench. There's not enough depth. And I just want you to know you were wrong because we suffered two major injuries and still made it to Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals with the lack of depth that you so described. And Shane Larkin was out as well. So I just, I'm just i just telling you, you got to be a little bit more open-minded to what I'm saying, John. I, I'd also note that Al Horford didn't look the way he would have if he played center all season long. So you're right, yeah, and, and – and... The, those kids definitely, they went against the odds and they performed to an unbelievable degree. Who would have thought that Jason Tatum at 20 years old would have been the best Celtics player in the Eastern, game seven of the Eastern Conference Finals? If you told me that in, in, uh, October, I'd probably, I don't know what, I'd probably be losing my mind to think about that possibility. I mean, the fact that that happened is, is still unbelievable to me here just a week later. So, yeah, you're right. If if I had known those things, wait, can you say that again? If I had known those things, no, no, no. That the would've... thing before that, what? what? You're what right. That? You said you're right. Oh, oh, you're right. You were you were right. It was nothing to worry about. And if you want to put money on the next team doing that, go for it. Because I, you know, it's not going to happen. This doesn't happen in the NBA. That's what's so remarkable about what Brad and these kids have done this year. It's amazing. I don't know. You but if, look you, at if Philly, you're going to rely on Philly that, had like else, no depth. Crazy. Philly had like no depth, and after the first round of the postseason, and for most of the last half at least the last third of the season everybody thought they were going to the finals so yeah. you know think they, about they, that they signed two veterans off the scrap heap that added exactly what they needed but then when they ran against a team that can play modern basketball and needs you to defend and score that's what you know kind of that was it and you know a guy like Ursula Yusova and Bellinelli they're good at one end, they're not so good at the other. Celtics took advantage. <laughs> Bellinelli, Bellinelli did hit one big shot, though, that's for sure. Just not enough uh. to save the series, but dang. All right, so look, we, we're over two-thirds of the way through the show. We do have to talk a little bit about the draft. There was some rumors about the Celtics potentially wanting to trade up for Mo Bamba, who was kind of my sleeper in the preseason when we thought that there still might be a chance that the Lakers pick would tank and et cetera, et cetera. So let's just talk about the value of trading up. And by setting the table, let's talk about how many picks they potentially have in 19. Obviously, they have their own this year at 27, but they have a little bit of picks for the future to mortgage. I'm just not sure that they have room in the road rotation either i'm almost a fan of rolling these picks back because of what we described at the beginning of the show which is a simple fact that they don't have the money to bolster their bench and hold on to all of this top tier talent that's coming up either through youth or in free agent acquisition or in trades in the case of Kyrie irving so yeah there might be some consolidation moves coming but just from a numbers game it makes sense that at some point they're not going to be able to get the marcus morris's they're not going to be able to get well they might be able to still get a Baines type of player, but you know where I'm going. That depth, there's going to have to come from a youth movement, and you'd like it to be first-round picks and not second-round picks. However, they could look for somebody at that five spot 
somebody like Bamba, they're not going to trade up to get Aiton. They're not going to get that high. But they have potentially, they have their own pick next year. That's obviously going to be in the 20s, late 20s. Maybe even 30s, hopefully. Maybe 30, you know, 32. Uh, Memphis, the Kings, and the Clippers. Now, the Kings they definitely get. Memphis is top eight protected. Well, no. Right? No, not necessarily. If the Kings pick is one, they don't get it. Oh, that's right. Okay. They're likely to get the Kings pick. We'll just say that. You're right. It is top one protected. Likely to get the Kings pick. Plenty of value on that pick, regardless, right? Memphis is top eight. I think that will convey. Not guaranteed, but I think that will convey. Uh, that'll be a nice pick to have. And if it doesn't convey, it gains value the next year. I think you were saying before the show, it's top six protected the following year. So it only gets better if it doesn't convey. The Clippers is really the one that I think has the least amount of value. It's lottery pick, uh, protected next year and the year after. And if it doesn't convey at that point, it becomes a second round pick in 2022. So that one's kind of meh. You know, it might sweeten a deal, but you're, if you want to trade up in this draft, knowing how, you know, like just top heavy this draft is it's deep too but not deep like last year but better talent or at least perceived better talent at the top of this draft um is i don't think they can get up into that point so then the question up to up to where they actually get top i think that mo bamba is probably where they could go with the picks that they have now barring any players John no pl- let's just let's set the rules for this right now no players out the door in any kind of trade up move how valuable are those picks how high do you think they could get with the picks that they have you know next year um and mostly i think we're looking at the kings of the memphis pick how high do you think they could get this year in the draft so you know let's let's guess where that could be so right now you know sacramento's two you know they've got the second pick but they're kind of in the four five six range i think in terms of you know talent they're gonna lose they're not gonna be any better next year so they're gonna still be a top five worst team at bare minimum i don't see that many teams really going to you know challenge that so if if you're in that category let's let's assume that they don't win the lottery um, at five. And remember, next year is the first year of new lottery odds. So it's going to be even harder, uh, for those teams, I think, to, you know, it's going to be a tougher fit, I guess, in terms of the lottery. You know, is, is Memphis a, a playoff team? They could be, you know, obviously more injuries with Conley and, and Gasol, but I think you're, I think they're safely, that will convey. That's an eight, you know, that means that that's a nine, 10, 11, 12 area, I think, is where Memphis kind of ends up. What do you end up doing with that? You know, I think, you know, so what does that get? Do you get, uh, let's say the fifth pick and the 10th pick? What does that get you if you were to trade into this draft? You know, it's, it's a year away. So you have teams that need some, need to be able plus to sell your 27, right now. Plus your 27, right? Yeah. Or do you, I think, or do you, think you, you think you keep 27 and, and trade two, the two most yeah. valuable picks for next year to go, to get into this draft? Well, I think the issue is is that next year's draft is full of a lot of wings, which is great for every other team. Boston's pretty heavy on young wings right now. They've got two of the best in the game. So this draft, I think you, you got to talk about what do you need. 
You know, and I, I know that's not the way Danny looks at it. He looks at what's the best player that's available. That's what we loved about but, this draft. You and I were salivating over bigs, that draft for that reason. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. They need bigs, and there's so many bigs in this draft. I mean, you go down, uh, you know, one through seven, uh, you know, in terms of – and you're looking at, you know, Porter, I guess, is a small forward, but he's a 210-611 guy. I mean, that's – you know, you're talking about <laughs> – you're talking about the type of dimensions Tatum is looking at. You know, other than – Doncic and and uh, you know, Porter, basically, it's all bigs. This is it's that Horford in waiting. Maybe I don't have to worry so much about his roster spot when you got the guy in waiting now. You know, I think that's what you look at. I would rather, you know, you talked about early on, and when you're setting this whole thing up, you know, wanting to kind of set yourself up in the future. Um, I'd rather not touch the picks and try to use some of the assets that you're going to have to commit some money to beginning next season, whether it's Rozier or whether it's Morris. I think you've got to use those players. I know you don't want to, you know, kind of tighten up what you've got, but with the market being what it is, I think there's a lot of guys that are going to be free agents for the veterans minimum that you can sign and add in here or the taxpayer mid-level if in Bain's case or uh, even the biennial exception. There's a lot of ways you can add some guys here. And if you get smart for the qualifying offer, you send you know Morris out and you get something back there, I think that there's a lot of ways they can add to this bench um, without having to spend a lot of money. And so then you look at, you know, kind of, Kicking your, your picks further out and then maybe trying to, you know, do something. I think the only way they get in the top 10 though, bottom line in terms of your question, I don't think it's with, you know, using those future picks and kind of consolidating for this year. I think you kick them down the road. I think you use Rozier if you can get the right deal and put that with maybe the Kings pick and try to get in the top 10. Yeah. And, and, and like I said, seven, eight, nine, I mean, that's that you're still in Wendell Carter territory. And, you know, according to some of these ideas, it looks, you know, some of these mocks that are coming out, Doncic is a guy who's falling and he's not a big, but if you believe Doncic is the guy and he's the next something special, maybe that's a guy you, you know, you roll the dice on. Well, I'm not sure I'm right. there, but some will. Carter, uh, Bomber, yeah. and Jackson. I think it's got a little bit of volatility about where they would go. Now, here's what's interesting. This is the last question, because I think one of those three could potentially be available in, in the slots you just said, seven, eight, nine. But know that our pick conveyed to the Cleveland that wasn't our pick that we got, da, 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 whatever. Everybody knows that pick. Cleveland has it at number eight. Here's a question. Would Cleveland... And because of all the trades, it's funny because there's always been some wheeling and dealing, and you thought it would never happen, and it has. But would they take a Rozier and a Kings pick and punt, knowing that they're not going to get the LeBron replacement, so to speak, right, if he leaves? Would they take those players, punt down a year, see what happens in the offseason, give us back number eight, and we pick one of those bigs? I don't think Cleveland after no way, <laughs> after right? the guys need a deal. There's no way they deal with Boston. I mean, and, and you could argue eight might be too far down. You know, I think you really got to be, look at Memphis and Dallas at four and five. You know, that I'm not sure how this is all going to shake out. You're right. There's so much volatility. You see Jackson at three on some, you see him at seven on others. You know, Carter is I, another guy that I think 
has reminded me all season of a lot of Al Horford. Um, and I know I'm not alone in that comparison, but he's a sleeper too, because he, he had he to really share is. it with Bagley. And so, and all the question marks about Bagley trans, you know, furring his game yep. to the NBA, it would be interesting to see Carter outperform him, uh, you know, once they, once they get to the pros. He is, I probably, he probably has one of the lowest floors of all the guys in that top eight. You know, you know what you're going to get with him. You know he's going to rebound. You know he's going to defend. You know he's going to be good around the basket. Uh, he's a good passer. There's a lot there that you know you're going to get from him. You know, you don't have that same sort of reliability with Bomba, Aiden, and, and some of the other guys. I mean, but, you know, that's if you're in the top eight, you're expecting special, and that's why you, you swing for the fences. What about um, just outside on somebody? We literally have one minute, but or maybe maybe we'll tease this for next time. Robert Williams, right? There's a guy yeah. who's sitting just just barely in the lottery, six ten. You know, he doesn't didn't quite put up the same numbers, but you know, could be a, could be a staple starting center on a team. That there's an op. There, there might be there might be a deal there. Yeah, I, I think he's another guy who, you know, probably didn't have the greatest year, but you see this over and over. They have a bad year in college, but they get into a pro system and they figure it out. Uh, we'll see about Williams. I mean, you, I was worried about the SEC, these SEC guys. Sexton, you know, he, you know, <laughs> maybe apart from the Kentucky guys, there's just always seems to be this, Weird thing, and you wonder about how they end up getting there, and who who paid for who. Those football schools seem to know how to do that in a really shady way. So yeah, if they're going to get a big in this draft, they've got to get into the lottery. That may be difficult. You're right; it may take a Terry Rozier. You broke the rules on that one, though. I said no player Sorry. on the roster, <laughs> but we'll be talking about it a lot leading up to draft night. More details on that to come. The broadcast will be available on demand on the CLNS Media Mobile app. Don't forget to. Follow us on Twitter at CSL underscore Justin. John is at CSL underscore Duke. A heartfelt thank you to everybody for tuning in. Remember that you can help support the show by subscribing to Celtic Stuff Live on iTunes and Stitcher. We'd love it if you gave us a rating and a review because your feedback is important to the show. For staff writer Samuel Elias, executive producer Larry H. Russell, the founder of CLNS Media, Nick Gelso, and my co-host John Duke, I'm Justin Poulin. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of Celtic Stuff Live. Celtic stuff live.